The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa is for educational purposes only and is not intended to provide a physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. Please contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. This podcast is produced with caller interaction. Follow Dr. Mona Lisa on Facebook and Instagram to be a part of the next podcast taping. Discover your body's natural ability to heal. Welcome to Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa. This is Healthy Living Intuitively with Dr. Mona Lisa podcast on Mind Body spirit.fm podcast network and my name is dr mona lisa have you ever suffered from your mind drifting away from the task at hand towards some random worry or concern have you ever had trouble focusing making a lot of mistakes on that test or task at work if you've ever had problems with spaciness today's your day because we're going to discuss Spacey mind, is this ADHD intuition or both? Today's mind, people are always worried about their memory or attention. They think it's ADHD, but could you be coming down with ADHD at midlife? It's a developmental problem that you're born with. The mistakes that you're making, are they the hormones or is it depression, anxiety? Where is your focus going anyway? Is your brain's brain's machinery for paying attention on the blink? Flawed or gummed up by some supplement or remedy or medicine you're taking? And what is consuming your bandwidth for attention? Today's show is going to change your life because we're going to teach you the mind, body, and medical intuitive solutions to how to maximize your focus. We're taking your calls during the show, 207-846-6497, Shy, want a private reading? Go to www.drmonalisa.com, www.drmonalisa.com. But subscribe to Healthy Living Intuitively with me, Dr. Mona Lisa, podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. <coughs> but remember, this forum is educational only, is not intended to provide physician-patient relationship, give diagnoses, prescribe treatment, or do psychotherapy. But please, 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 if you got a problem, contact your healthcare provider to obtain treatment. If you're in emergency now, go directly to your nearest emergency room and you get the hotline, the phone, which for whatever reason, I put away. 
Why? I don't know. So usually everything in the brain comes to a network. Now, there are lots of different networks. There's a network for memory, there's a network for language, and there's a network for attention. Just like when you call Verizon or you call um, any of these places, Spectrum, they say, press one if you're interested in problems with phones. Press two if you're interested in issues with television. Press three if you're having problems with your internet. So attention is different from memory, is different from language. But of course, it's a network. It is a network. And there are pieces of the network that are important. So last week, I had trouble with my call forward. Actually, a couple of weeks, I had problems with my call forward. We will not deal with that, shall we? Go into that tired tale, which is always an electrical issue with me. But however, I found out, well, the first thing they always go is there's a problem with the hardwire, meaning they talk that it's always your telephone. They're going to always blame your telephone because they don't want to blame anything else. So one part of your attention is your body, the biochemistry. Are you sick, ill? Do you have problems with a virus? Do you have problems with anemia? Is there a problem with the hardware? Important. If you're not eating, sleeping, breathing, you got the flu or something, it's a hardware problem. They call that the state function. So they're always trying to tell you, man, you have a problem with your hardware. Telephone company is not interested in this. So they'll blame it on that. That, the second thing, is there's the software, which we'll get to in a second. And then there's something in between called the firmware. I never understood that until I realized, oh, I get it. The firmware is between the software and the hardware. And the woman goes, oh, I never thought of it that way. So the hardware is your body. If you have a virus, if you have taking a medicine that gloms up the machinery for attention, you're going to be in a fog. You're going to think you're a space cadet. You're going to think that you can't remember anything and you have a new onset Alzheimer's disease. But really, it could be that allergy medicine you're taking. But then the second thing is the software. You may have been born with defective files. Now, you can't exchange the files in your brain for attention for new ones. Your mother can't say, well, my child was born with the wrong software for attention. It's not going to happen. So if you've always had problems paying attention, that means you have a unique genius for paying attention somewhere else. Not in captivity like in school, but somewhere else in the ethers. And chances are they'll, attention, they'll give you attention deficit disorder, meaning you have a deficit of paying attention to an eight by 13 inch world. That was a paper. That was your standard piece of paper or to a teacher in the front of the class before we had COVID, the cat just knocked something over. I can't believe that. Or hold on a second. 
What is wrong with you people? <laughs> or, however, and then we've made the world smaller for learning, computers or iPads or things like that. Is <laughs> fighting. But then we've noticed that those people have exquisite attention for other things, like paying attention to fighting behind what's going on behind them, paying attention virtually to what's going on intuitively somewhere else, and so on and so on. So you may have trouble with the hard, the uh, software, the files for learning in a certain standard environment, but of school but you may be exquisitely have a capability of paying attention intuitively, spiritually, and so on. You just didn't get there yet. And so you'll have attention deficit disorder, but they don't say in the classroom, in front of a computer, and so on and so on. And then the firmware is, has to do with flexibility has to do with um, changing how you pay attention in certain situations, knowing you can pay attention to the computer, but then disengage from the computer and pay attention when someone's talking with you. This is what we call, well, lack of a better word, disengagement. But it also has to do with other aspects of attention called shifting attention, distributing attention, and that's another area of the brain. It's called the firmware. It's very um, susceptible, sensitive to injury, trauma, and so on. Because people may not be born with software problems for paying attention, but maybe have trouble with PTSD, problems with a chaotic environment growing up. And then, of course, they can't pay attention because their brains are molded by cortisol and norepinephrine. But this is, this is where things get interesting. You think that's it for me, I'm done. No, because you're born with a certain form of attention as a child, and then it matures as an adult. And then guess what happens as, with puberty? But then you go to a second puberty. It's called menopause or testopause. And then you form another form of attention. In neuropsychology, we used to think the right brain was dominant for attention because the parietal lobe was important for it. But it, there's really a network. And the right brain is also important for emotion and also intuition. So <clears throat> when you are mature, the right brain is really divided attention between what's outside of you and inside of you. So if you're depressed inside, it's hard for you to pay attention outside. If you're anxious inside, it's hard for you to pay attention outside of you. Distributing attention between outside and inside, but also intuition, distributing attention, uh, attention between what's going on inside of you and intuitively someone else. But when you go through menopause or testopause, there's a third element because the things that you used to pay attention to that were relevant, and that's important because you would say to your kid in school, if it was important for you to pay attention to algebra, you would. You pay attention to those Legos for hours and hours and hours, but you can't pay attention to your homework for 15 minutes. Something that's called behaviorally relevant is extremely important. 
We all know this. If you look at advertisements on Facebook, it used to be that people focused on a uh, Looney Tunes cartoon for like 20 minutes to a half an hour, whatever. And now people can't focus more than 20 seconds on a Facebook advertisement before their engagement goes down. 20 seconds. 20 seconds. The engagement goes down. Look at TikTok. TikTok, it's four seconds. Four seconds. So literally, technology is rewired through plasticity. Our attention span. That is so important. If you want to know what I'm talking about, watch a cartoon, an oldie, a vintage cartoon that you used to watch as a child. And then watch a new one. You'll start to watch, get a little antsy during the old one because it causes you, forces you to focus. The action is slower. It requires more sustained attention and freedom from distractibility. Is this good? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. I do know that certain brains can't watch TikTok. It drives me crazy. And I have profound ADHD. I can take a lot of stimulus. However, that said, I do know that at midlife, you then... When you're first as a child, you can juggle one ball, one ball. And at puberty, you learn to juggle two balls, your feelings and somebody else's, paying attention to you and someone else in the outer world. Puberty, hormones help you do that. Pay attention with what's outside of you and inside. Empathy, hopefully, unless, of course, you're a sociopath. And then... When you go through menopause and testophores, you kind of learn to balance three balls. You, somebody else, and cer certain things around you become less relevant. So you start to think in terms of what's more important in life, your purpose or spirituality divine. So then you're balancing three balls. And the wonder, attention, brain fog, and the supposed memory changes. It changes. And that is a maturing of memory throughout the lifespan. It slows. It slows retrieval of memory. There are things you can do to make you more comfortable during the transitions. The first part, the hardware, fix the virus. Fix the bacteria. If you're anemic, fix the anemia. If you're not getting enough REM, deep sleep, wear an aura ring. Find out about it. Find out if you have um, had brain injury and other things. Suffice it to say, if you're not getting enough deep sleep, if you're not getting enough oxygen if you're um, if, or you're anemic, you're going to have trouble focusing, paying attention because you're not alert. That's called a delirium. No amount of Ritalin is going to help you. 
no amount of Godacola, acetyl-L-carnitine, Siberian ginseng, all the Adderall, all the variety of things that people do for attention is going to help you. Because the hardware, your biochemistry, is not helping at the brainstem level. However, then if you have trouble, two balls, balance the awareness of outside in the world and you, if you have too much internal anxiety, depression, it's going to be hard for you to divide attention between that and the outer world. You're going to drop balls. And so you have to treat that. You have to have somebody help you process the anxiety, the depression. On the other hand, like one of the calls today on Facebook, the live radio show, this lady couldn't get to sleep and she couldn't focus because she was worried about her sister whose husband had just died and her sister had moved into a house where the son-in-law was an irritable thing. So she was aware that her sister was troubled. And so her, this was heavy on her mind. She was not at peace. And it was affecting her sleep and her focus and attention. Thus, it's going to affect sleep, dreaming, acetylcholine, which is important for sleep, uh, paying attention and dreaming. Paying attention to memory. You can try to medicate yourself to go to sleep, but many of them are things like alcohol, sleeping pills, uh, anti-anxiety medicines that have acetylcholine, anticholinergic, which can mess up the memory areas and the intentional areas of your brain don't do that. So you can have somebody help you get to sleep by 5-HTP melatonin, but you cannot mess up the attention areas of your brain. And then finally, last but not least, if you have something different about your brain through aging, through small vessel disease, through injury, or through something's difference about you, always has been different, chances are the firmware is different. The software is different. How the brain fires is different. They call them event event potentials. And you can speed them up by um, plasticity, where they play sounds or flash uh, pictures and help you pay attention to one after the other after the other and speed up the pathways in your brain for focus and attention. I've talked about it before and I'll talk about it again. One is called fast for word. They'll change from one sound to another to another, and you have to change your focus from one to another, and they speed it up and speed it up and speed it up. Practice makes purpose, and they do the same thing with pictures. It's good for the mature brain and how it changes with attention. You know this. You easily get flooded. You can't pay attention. You can't hear what someone's saying in a room, but they say you're not deaf. You get bombarded by traffic at night but you're not blind and you don't have, you're not losing your sight. 
it's because you're having slowing of visual attention, slowing of auditory attention. You can speed up the processing of them with something like GEM, uh, fast for word. Look it up, GEM, G-E-M-M. It is a lifesaver. Yes, you can do acupuncture and Chinese herbs. Just treat the small vessels. Ultimately, you may elect to do estrogen and progesterone. However, if you have side effects because they're growth hormones and you have risk factors, then you're right back where you started with because if you have growth from growth factors of those hormones and you get cells growing in your breast or your testes or your uterine wall, then you have a problem. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa and we're talking about is a spacey mind, ADHD or intuition. And the fact remains is, is you have problems with dividing attention between you and somebody else and the divine inherent in that is intuition. Because the attention network and the limbic system, the temporal lobe, uses the same circuitry for intuition. So the fact is, when you are distracted and you are balancing attention in the right brain between you and someone else, you literally don't know if they're not in front of you and your attention is wandering. You do not know if where your focus is going, unless you're working with someone who asks you, where'd you just go then? I was once sitting with a therapist talking about another patient. And we were talking and I would stop talking. And she went, where'd you just go then? I went, what? She said, where'd you just go? And it never occurred to me. Well, first of all, I have a form of narcolepsy where I literally doze off. But... Um, I do have moments when I just stop and I'm saying things, but that's true of all of us. Or we stop and we're thinking about something. But we, you probably can keep talking and thinking at the same time. I can't, I have problems with divided attention, but I would stop and she'd go, where'd you just go? The key is you have to train yourself to find out where'd you just go? You write it down and find out what is its relevance. Because you'll say, well, I was just thinking about um, a Snickers bar and cat food. And you'll find out later on that your husband or partner came home with a Snickers bar for you and cat food. And you're like, son of a gun. Weird, huh? So you have to find out and follow what those distractions are because chances are they might be intuitive. Visions, auditory distraction, clear audience, visual distraction, clairvoyance, but also somatosensory distraction, your body. You might be going along, going along, learning something, and then all of a sudden um, you're like, oh my God, I got a headache. This will happen when I'm doing a reading. I'll be fine. You know, I'll be walking, doing the dishes, vacuuming, kissing the cat. And then right before a reading, I'll get on the phone. Before I get on the phone, I'll have such a bad headache above my right eye by two millimeters. And I'm like, what in the hell is this? When there really wasn't a problem beforehand, I'd gotten enough sleep. I had eaten, rested. 
And then I get on the phone and I, I just say it. I, um, I'm seeing a headache above the left eye, the right eye, two inches. And she'll go, oh my God. And I'll say, say nothing. And I say, I'm seeing, because I, I don't know if I'm seeing it in her versus me. And she'll, I'll say, can I please, t- can you please tell me your health concerns? And she'll say, well, you know, the headache is a big one because I always have these headaches above my right eye. There you go. So you have to ask yourself, is this my headache or your headache? But you have to find out because your attention could be going somatosensory, clairsentient. And that's one way that you can find out what your distraction is going. So these are things in the same thing with dreaming or not being able to sleep. There are people who can't get to sleep and you have to, you know, maybe your form of intuition is always had trouble falling asleep, but why is it worse now? Why now? And so on and so on. So that's why spacey mind, if you're distractible, attention is in the temporal lobe. It's a network in the right hemisphere. Literally, you have to ask yourself, where is my attention going? What is distracting me? I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and we've been talking about spacey mind. Is this ADHD intuition both? Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield, May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. I'm not going to get into what forms of intuition are hyperactive, like my cat who just knocked off a shelf, because that's a whole nother day for another show. However, she did knock off the shelf, and that's going to be for a whole nother day and another show, another shelf, another show. Um, we're taking your calls, 207-846-6497, but I'll open up for questions. Does anybody have any questions? And now I have a good headache because I know what it means because she knocked over that shelf. Raise your hand if you have a question. Annalita put her glasses on, so that's significant. Yes. So unmike yourself. Annalita. Um, okay. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. You How can I be of help? You mentioned anemia earlier. Um, B12 anemia or iron or both? Oh, that's such a great question. I love anemias. The reason why I love anemias, I when you go through medical school, you do two years of classroom. Then you do two years where you run around the hospital and you do a bunch of rotations. And when I was doing my PhD in neuroanatomy, it took me, you know, seven years, but um I kind of forgot about medical school and got disconnected from everybody, but they sent me the way um, that you check off the order of classes. Nobody did hospital internal medicine three months in a row, and nobody did hospital surgery three months in a row. 
not not to mention that they wouldn't do it at City Hospital, which is like a disaster zone. But because I really didn't, and I'm impulsive, I have ADHD, like my cat who keeps knocking the shelf over there. I didn't read the entire form to fill out. I just impulsively, because I have trouble with distributed attention, I just checked off the first two boxes. For the first three months of medicine, I did city, 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 which no one does because it makes you crazy. And then for the next three months, I did surgery, city, 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 city hospital, which is like a battle zone. Why I liked it was because, first of all, it was a disaster. You got to do everything. And after four o'clock, you had to do your own blood draws. And you had to work up your own patients and take their urine down to the lab and gram stain it and find the sensitivity. It was great training. But anyway, make a long story short, I digress. And I was one of these people who carried all these small books in my pockets to do differentials. And a differential diagnosis is we have all these lists of what could be wrong with the person. So when they have symptoms of fatigue, dizziness, uh, lightheadedness, shortness of breath, um, could be a lot of things. So then you draw labs, and one of them is a CBC, complete blood count. So then you draw this little thing, which I don't think kids do anymore, or medical students, I call them the kids. They're, they're wet behind the ears. You draw this little thing that's like a rhombus, and the thing on the left is the white cell, and then there's the hematocrit and the hemoglobin and the platelets on the end. Well, then you do the differential and there's all these red cell indices. And I loved it. And nobody went into all this analysis to find out the reason why the person was anemic. They just sent them off for a hematology consult. I thought that was ridiculous. I thought we were supposed to learn this. So I looked at all the idiosyncrasies of why someone would be anemic. Because just the way you said it, you understand why I'm going to tell you why. Because if you're a woman and you're anemic, they're going to say, ah, you have anemia blood loss because it's just the way it is, which is stupid. That's ridiculous because it's dumb. And they won't even bother looking at the red cell indices to find out that the reason why that is. Just like when I got small bowel obstructions, they instantaneously just said, oh, you probably have um, adhesions. And they call it a day when they never looked to find out if that was a fact. Four, four admissions, four months in a row, in and out, in and out with a tube down the mouth. I went, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And they went, why? I said, because you don't know they are adhesions. And they went, they probably are. I said, they probably, but they're not. You don't know that. Well, guess what? When they went in with exploratory surgery, there was not an adhesion in the, in the place. And it wasn't, it, those common things are common, doesn't matter. And by the way, it's not considered elegant medicine. Think, think, think. So you're smart. Last time I checked and you get glasses on your head. So you're looking like intellectual. So we're going to make, we're going to play like intellectual on TV. Okay. The reason why they say it's anemia of blood loss is because most women lose blood by their menstrual cycle. However, if you no longer have a menstrual cycle, it's not anemia blood loss. Or if it's anemia blood loss, then we have a big problem because if you're not losing it 
from your hoo-ha, which if a JJ or whatever the common parlance of vagina is for you, then the only other place you could be losing blood is your colon. And that is really bad because if you have anemia blood loss from your colon, that means you could have what? Say it with feeling. What is it, Analita? You are supposed to be un. What could it yep. be if you had anemia? If you were found to have anemia blood loss and you're postmenopausal, I heard you. It could be a polyp or like. Um... No, it's not a polyp. If you have a polyp, it's not going to bleed unless you have Crohn's disease. If you have um... anemia blood loss, it could be colon cancer. Oh, yes, That's sir. scary. So, therefore, if you're a woman postmenopausal and they go, oh, it's anemia blood loss, you go, that's it? That's all you got for me? This has all been very lovely. You back out of the room and you say, second opinion, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. This is what you do, what they do. Mm -hmm. They look at something called these baby red cells called reticulous count. Reticulous sites are baby red cells that are in your peripheral blood. And when you lose red cells to bleeding, you see more baby red cells in your peripheral blood floating around. It's like in foreign countries, if we have an accelerated death rate, hopefully they have more babies. So if you've lost red cells from bleeding, you'll see more reticulocyte count. Okay? Mm -hmm. And so on. There are a variety of things. That's one of them. Then, of course... There is iron, which is another indices. And you would lose iron, I think. I this is I got I wanted to get go up and get the book, but I can't do that right now because this is a live show. If you have iron, you either eat less of it, you don't have enough of it in your diet, and you don't have to eat meat to get it. I think you can get it in green leafy vegetables, or you have you're losing blood. That's the second thing. However, you could also lose it if you're not absorbing it and the variety of illnesses that you're not absorbing it. I've done readings with people who think, I don't think I'm getting enough iron, so I'm loading on the iron, which is very dangerous. Because if you take too much iron, you could have a heart problem. So you can't just say, I feel like I'm not getting enough iron and roll out the barrel. It's really bad. There's an illness called Wilson's disease and others where you can get heart failure or you can load up your liver or worse yet, your uh, parts of your basal ganglia and your brain, which is really bad. So you don't do that. Don't fool around with your own copper. Iron, iron, copper, the whole thing. Suffice it to say, that's really bad. The other thing is that all of a sudden, if you come down with anemia, this is a problem in midlife and you're no longer menstruating. And someone goes, oh, this is just blood loss. Find out if you got reticulous counts, okay? Find out if you lost your iron. There are some people who maybe had gastritis, small intestine. I think that's where iron is absorbed. You want that supervised. But if that's not the case, then if you have, I think this is what it's called, please don't quote me, or normocytic, this is it, go ahead, This go ahead and make fun. I just have one of these ridiculous minds. If you have lost blood and you have more immature cells, the cells that come out are microcytic, they're small. 
I know I think it's macrocytic. But anyway, my point is there's a change in the size of the cell. However, if you are anemic and the size of the cells are the right size and the amount of hemoglobin is the right amount, we have a problem because that's called what we used to call anemia of chronic disease, or now we call it anemia of inflammation. I hate the word inflammation because there are at least nine different pathways for inflammation. And that means not call 911 because something is going on with a girl or guy or something in between, because that's something going on, because that shouldn't happen. You don't just go around and have anemia. So, Annalita, to answer your question, in medical intuition, oh, that makes sense. Are you are you anemic? Uh, in tendency, I am. My mother is as well, and we found out for her that she has pyroluria, which is a metabolic thing with the hem. Wait a minute, say it one more time. P- what? Pyroluria. 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 P-Y-L-O-R. So she makes some kind of different way, puro. I think that's some kind of different way of making the hemoglobin. Exactly. Okay, okay, because I'm just trying to... So in other words, there's a way in which she makes a different form of the basis for the biochemistry and how she makes hemoglobin. So as a result, the hemoglobin is supposed to hold on to the oxygen, but she doesn't make it correctly. So purin. Anyway, I can't spell it. You're asking someone who's yeah. dyslexic. It's like asking. Anyway, my yeah. point is that's genetic and that's different. But chances are you've compensated it your whole life. So you follow your blood all the time. However, that's like people who have a genetic small amount or lower amount of white cells. There are some people who have lower amount of white cells. Their whole life, they run around low white cells. But then all of a sudden, there is a dip. So then you say to yourself, this isn't that constant problem I have. Don't let your doctor or other practitioners say, oh, she always runs low white cell. Follow it with what you run. If you are running low red cells, see if it's the same amount you always run. So in other words, I'm short. (laughs) repeat that. I'm short. (laughs) I'm supposed to be 5'8". My arms are 5'8". But over the years, I, you know, blue discs, we threw more rods in. And so now I'm 5'2". This is very upsetting to me. However, if I lost more height, okay, they can't say, oh, she's short. No, (laughs) I'm shorter. So that's a problem. Do you understand? So we have to find out why I'm shorter. Similarly, though you tend to be anemic, you have a, what's normal for you is less than other people's normal. Now you have to find out if your normal is becomes lower. If it does, that's anemia for you. Normal anemia for other people is not anemic for you. Your normal is lower. That's the point. Got it? Okay. Yes. That's the point. However, you have to follow it and keep what's normal for you. But I find it interesting that you and your mother are very similar. Well, I I got, yeah, yeah. No, no, just take the win. Take the win. Because that's first center and it has to do with families that make us feel safe 
and secure and give us a sense of belonging. And that tells you something because that tells you blood is thicker than water. And you want to look at, and though you have, may feel more kinship with another parent, you have to look at the strength in what was different about your mother. Because though people in your family may have found strength in the way your father was, there was an inherent strength in your mother's weakness. For example, we now know that I was supposed to be 5'8", tall. However, I got a curve very quickly and that made me incredibly strong. And that back has been broken, refused, broken, refused. And I think you and Alita have met me and know that I am Well, let's just say in the last two years, I've fallen a lot and I only have one disc left. I've broken a rod. Who breaks a rod? I don't know who breaks a rod, but not a bone. So that just doesn't happen, especially when the rod is titanic. So I'm tougher than a bag of rocks. Even though your mother may have not looked as strong as your father, there was strength in that apparent weakness because she yielded in a way that looks like she's a pushover, but ooh, she's not a pushover. You're looking at me like a marginal. I'm trying to identify what in this context. Let me give you, let me give you an example. What is the pushover? It's language. I know, because you're from another country. I'm very academic. And a lot of times when someone doesn't say something, when they're with someone who's very dominant, they look like they're a pushover. They look like they're uh, non-assertive. Easy, easy to get pushed over. That's it. it. So recently I was with a doctor mm-hmm. and no, I'm a neuroanatomist. And I also know my own body. So the doctor said, Neurosurgeon, best in the world, said, I really don't know why you have this problem. When he knew damn well why I had it. He was from a, in front of a lot of different residents and fellows. And I had a cameo appearance in propriety and diplomacy. Cameo appearance meaning rare. Used to be, I would spit out, are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? But I, for whatever reason, I just looked at him. (laughs) And he said, this is your mother. Do you know why you have this problem? And I just looked at him. 
And he looked at me and it made him anxious. Because sometimes a show of strength is to say nothing. <sighs> Saying the right thing to the right person with the right amount of intensity. And that's really hard to do when you have ADHD because it requires using a frontal lobe that you don't have. So you got to borrow it from somewhere else. That means from the heavens. I don't know where I got it. And I didn't even think, oh, I'm going to shut my mouth now. I don't know what possessed me, but I had, you know, a spontaneous loss of free speech. I just sat there and he said, neuropathy. And I didn't even, I didn't even say, that's it. I said, and I shrugged my shoulders. Why did I do that? Because he's the surgeon and I'm the patient. And I need him if I need surgery. So I'm not going to fuss with him. Got it? The second thing is I don't want to humiliate him in front of his students. That's not smart, nor is it kind. And the other thing is know your place. Who's your daddy? Or who's your mama? So I said nothing. Does that make me weak? Because actually he said during he said during the appointment, he said, can you imagine, this is the woman who had the inferior vena cava tear. At that point, I didn't even know that that happened. That is a 75% mortality rate. At which time I went, you're bringing that up again? Are you crazy? You and I had our moment in the operating room. Listen, we pulled through. That's it. That's, you move through. I move forward. We all have our problems. And we don't bring it up. I don't know why people keep bringing these problems up. Why did I do that? Because I need him if something else happens. And I don't want him to think I'm a hysteric. Your mother was a cool and righteous dude and clearly smart and knew how to shut up. You've got all of that. Strong in the broken places. Capiche? See. I have another quick question. It's, yeah. It's, 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 I mean, I have many questions, but I want to make sure others have also a chance to say something and ask something. Um, a neuropsych, neuropsych eval, because I grew up in German with German language. If, if English is not my mother tongue, does it make sense to take it in English? Just curious. Would it make sense for somebody who doesn't speak English as a mother tongue? Take it in English? Seriously? There, um, I, have, I have a friend who's a neuropsychologist who was on the faculty at um, Northeastern. She's Mexican, and she created the Mexican norms for the waste. Edith Kaplan, who was the mother of neuropsychology with the father of neuropsychology, uh, Norman Geshwin, did all kinds of norms, meaning looking at those tests and finding the um, differences among those language situations and including the Boston Diagnostic Aphasia Inventory, especially with things like Chinese, for God's sakes, they go from the right to the left. I mean, I mean, you know, Israel, I don't know right to left, but 
um, Hebrew and stuff like that. I mean, the thing made my head hit because I have trouble with English, which I consider my second language, meaning nonverbal is my right. My point is, um, that's a good question because um, what are you dreaming? Do you dream in German or do you dream in, or Swiss? Or do you, what are you dreaming? I thought I dream in both languages, but I, that's a good question. I should observe. I do dream. I'll observe. <laughs> the idea that you don't think about that instantaneously tells me that even getting a neuropsych eval, is there such a thing as a Swiss language? Because once I said that, I felt like an idiot. Oh, no, no, no. So Swiss have their own German. That's for okay. sure. Okay. So German, then there's a Swiss dialect. My point is the fact that you didn't even know that tells me that even getting a German neuropsych eval is complicated because you've so integrated English that it would be a problem. So you would have to ask a neuropsychologist who would then interpret your scores based on how many times, how many years you'd been in the United States. That's the, quite the answer to your story. Because the same would be for people who were raised in Mexico and then immigrated to the United States. They truly bilingual and it contaminates either a vowel, whether they did it in, um, in Spanish or they did it Mexican Spanish versus anything else. Mexican Spanish versus English. It's the same. So you have to interpret the results based on both and there are norms. Obviously, that answer comes from someone who has much too much education, and you can get this by getting $275,000 in student loans. But anyway, my point is, is even though you have a pinhead like that, and you, asked to, you had to ask that question, it's because you felt uncomfortable sitting with a nonverbal right hemisphere form of understanding or bina in Kabbalah of understanding intellect that your mother does, which is blood, dinner, nonverbal intelligence that your mother has. So you have to ask a highfalutin question like that. You know why I asked it? Because I know, I, I know, but that just sits and save her the win. I'm just saying you're missing the point that you have a nonverbal form of intelligence that does not pick up on a neuropsych eval. And that makes you uncomfortable. You can't savor that. So you go directly and going to a neuropsych eval when really your mother has a form of intelligence, nonverbal, intuitive, that will not be measured on a neuropsych test. But it doesn't surprise me that your follow-up question would be that because that makes you uncomfortable. that form of intelligence would be underestimated. Mm -hmm. I'm not picking on you. I'm giving you a compliment. Mm -hmm. Take your hand down. You're very sweet. Anybody else have a um, question? Are they too now terrified? <laughs> very sweet people. I'm going to now find my cat and get her to stop. Well, she has ADHD. Her name is Minnie Pearl. She did, she was in foster care. So chances are the trauma, PTSD, cortisol, norepinephrine may have changed because you know that makes you more amygdala dominant, give you problems with hippocampus, which is important for attention and memory. So if you've had a history of trauma, perhaps your attention 
is problematic. So she's a little wire there, so she knocks things down. And you know, it creates problems with the other cats. So perhaps you're listening and you go, I'm very intuitive, porous or sensitive, and I have had a history of trauma, and I feel that my head is spacey. Good, because intuition is part of the development of that kind of brain. It's protective. It helps you um, see what can um, protect you, and your body will let you know through symptoms when you're going in the wrong direction. I hope I have been of some help. You people are wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been Healthy Living Intuitively with me, Dr. Mona Lisa. I will see you next week. Live well, be brilliant. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.